Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World Does Die, and your podcast for what feels like the end times. This is a This Month in the Apocalypse special, where we talk about This Month in the Apocalypse, but even more than that, it's the Mayday special, because it's Mayday. Not when you're listening, but when we're recording. And that's what matters to me, is the things that affect me. I'm one of your hosts, Margaret Kiljoy. Hi, I'm Brooke. Hi, I'm Inman. Inman is joining us. Is this your first time co-hosting the show? This is, yes, this is my first time co-hosting. Is very exciting. Yes, I'm. I'm excited and and under. I'm. I'm here for playful banter. Great. If there's three co-hosts, should it be co-co-hosting? Or, co Trent. Tr- no, I got nothing. Okay. Um, Coco. Coco so, it is. Coco hosts, <laughs> but not Coco Chanel because she's a Nazi. No. Bad. Yeah. All right. So. This podcast is a proud member of the Channel Zero Network of Anarchist Podcasts. And here's a jingle from another show on the network. Bop. That was my song. (laughs) Beautiful. Thanks. What's up, y'all? I'm Pearson, host of Coffee with Comrades. Coffee with Comrades is rooted in militant joy. Our hope is to cultivate a warm and inviting atmosphere, like walking into your favorite coffee shop to sit down with some of your close friends and share a heart-to-heart conversation. New episodes premiere every Tuesday, so be sure to smash that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. We are proud to be a part of the Channel Zero Network. And we're back. Okay, so today's May Day. What's May Day, you might ask? Huh? What what's what May is Day? what's a May Day? Thanks. It's the thing you say when you're in trouble and you're in an airplane. Okay, so May Day is the international working holiday. I don't have any notes about this in front of me, so I'm gonna be off the top of my head. But I have given this as a spiel multiple times in my life. May Day has been celebrated in various forms, kind of going back to 1886. And going back to 1886 in Chicago, let's like, now we're in 1886 in Chicago. And there's this vibrant anarchist scene, and it's this almost entirely immigrant culture, uh, mostly German in this particular time and place, um, as well as there are some like born in the United States anarchists who are part of it kind of most famously the power couple, Albert Parsons and Lucy Parsons. Albert Parsons is a white guy who used to be Confederate soldier, realized he was on the wrong side when he was a teenager, spent the next huge chunk of his life trying to fight actively against the thing he had fought for. He managed to get shot in the process. Um, And then he illegally married a black woman, Lucy Parsons, because it was illegal for interracial marriages. So they actually moved to Chicago even before it was legal there. They moved from Texas up there. And then they were rad organizers. And Lucy Parsons was like actually way more interesting than Albert. No offense to Albert, even though he's one of today's martyrs uh, for May Day. And Lucy Parsons has all these quotes about like, um, what I want is for every greasy, grimy tramp to arm himself with a knife and a gun and wait outside the homes of the rich. And as they leave, stab or shoot them. Uh, Lucy Parsons did not fuck around. Lucy Parsons knew that class war was a thing that was already happening to um, marginalized people and wanted to see it return 
to the rich. And so the anarchists in Mayday during this time, they would do things like they'd have these huge parades where they'd like march to the homes of the rich with like banners that said shit like, we're going to fucking kill you or whatever, you know? Um, I'm sort of paraphrasing here because I don't have my notes. Yeah. And, and so they had this like culture and they were building this amazing culture. And there was also this, like they had community defense organizations, they had plays, they had like, it's very actually parallel to a lot of the stuff that's getting built now. Um, only we'll survive repression better than they did, I hope. Okay. And so at the same time, there's this massive fight for the eight hour workday and the anarchists were a little bit like, I mean, that's cool, I guess. Like we kind of want the no hour workday, like we're in it for the abolition of capitalism, but we'll put up with it. Right. That's all right. Um, and so they were a big part of the organizing and kind of in a similar way that anarchists participate in other organizing now. And there was basically this idea that we were like, all right, on May 1st, 1886, we're just declaring the eight hour day and no one will work more than that. And it's going to be this massive general strike. And it was, it was this massive general strike all across the country. And in Chicago at the McCormick harvester factory where they made harvesters, which were, you know, big um, combine machines used for farming or whatever. uh, A bunch of people were like, fuck this, we're not working. And so they brought in scabs and then people were like, fuck you. And they like threw rocks at the scabs and stuff. And then the cops were like, well, what if we just shot you? And people were like, we'd rather you didn't shoot us, but the cops weren't listening. So they shot them anyway. And um, some people died and it was bad. Uh, And that was on May 1st. And then there was like several days of protests after that. But the anarchists were like, man, they're just shooting us now. And this was not the first labor people who were getting shot in the US during this fight. But they were like, you know what? If they're just shooting us, like, let's uh, let's say like, let's put out this like thing that's like, you know, in, in both German and English, that's like show up at Haymarket Square and get ready to fight. And this is our time, you know? And it's this big like, kind of a bravado thing. But then the day of everyone was like, actually, let's just like show up and be peaceful because it's like kind of sketchy, like, you know, and I feel like we've all been in this kind of situation. And so then all of these people go up and they give these speeches. And some of the speeches are like, let's murder all the people who are trying to murder us. And some of them were a little bit more restrained. And but it was like overall peaceful. And this was on May 4th, 1886. And then the, um, the chief of police, he was like, no, I want to fuck everyone up. And I'm not even like I'm putting words in his mouth, but I'm not putting motives into his mouth. This guy like fucking hated the anarchists. And so he marched on down there with a ton of people and basically was like, it was like starting to clear anyway. It was starting to rain. A lot of people were like, Hey, let's go hang out at the bar instead of listening to the speakers. And the like guys who are up there being like, I think it was Samuel field. And he's up there. He's like trying to give a speech and everyone's like, Oh, like that's cool. We can go hang out at the bar instead of listening to you. It's like just one of those protests, right? It's actually not a big deal protest. And then the cops start fucking up everyone. So someone, Unknown to history, probably a German anarchist, hard to say. Um, someone hucks a bomb at the cops. A bomb goes boom. The cops start shooting, shooting wildly into the crowd. And they just like murder a ton of people. I actually literally have no idea the number. I don't remember off the top of my head at all. Um, and they also shoot a bunch of themselves. Cops, as we we're going to talk about in this episode, cops are really good at shooting each, each other. Um, critical support to the police for shooting the police. Uh, <laughs> and so... Oh, Police? Guess? No. Comrade friendly fire. Um, <laughs> and Comrade friendly fire. Yeah. And like, and the, one of the reasons we know this is a lot of like people like go through and look at the evidence and like the direction of the bullets in the lamp posts and all this stuff. There's this huge trial, right? And so like all of the evidence does come out. It's like basically the cops all shot each other, right? Um, which is like, whatever. I wouldn't get mad at someone who shot back if they were being shot at. But I don't think that that's what happened. So this thing happens and it's like, Oh fuck, that's a really big deal. Right. And then the anarchist, uh, 
the cops are just like, we're going to fucking arrest everyone now. Like all the anarchists, you're done. And they just start sweeping the city. They're showing up at everyone's houses, like all the organizers, but all the just like uh, the regular non-organizer folks. And they're just like raiding everything, shutting everything down. Um, one of the most interesting arrests is they show up at this guy's house and they're like, hey, we want this guy. And this guy who answers the door, Louis Ling, he's like, oh, that guy's not here. And they're like, well, you'll do. <laughs> we'll take you. And so Louis Ling's like, fuck you. And he pulls out a gun and he tries to shoot the cop. And instead, the cop manages to get him. And then theoretically, according to the New York Times, which is not an unbiased source now, but is like really not an unbiased source in 1886, uh, in, in, the, in the carriage, Louis Ling, who was, I think, 22 at this time, uh, he says the quote, it all would have been worth it if only I had been able to kill that police officer. Um, <laughs> so they all get taken to jail. And it's mostly not like firebrands like Louis Ling. It's like all of these like organizers. So it's like Samuel Fielden, who's just like this guy. He ends up like a wobbly later in his life. He survives. Um, and he's, or maybe he's like a rancher. I can't remember. He stays rad, but he just like chills out after he survives this nasty shit. Um, and so they arrest a bunch of them and there's eight martyrs that they get called. Right. Uh, and they're all put on trial. And the thing that they're accused of is literally being anarchists. There is no evidence that links any of them to the bombing. There's plenty of counter evidence. Some of them have interesting alibis like Louis Ling, our <laughs> aforementioned 22 year old who's 23 at the time that he dies. Uh, his defense in court is I could not have made that bomb because I was at home making bombs, um, <laughs> which was true. He did not throw the bomb. Yeah. Oh my God. And then Louis Ling was also like, he was this like, he was super hot and everyone like copied his style. Like all the boys would like do their hair up like Louis Ling in order to like look hot at all the anarchy dances and shit. Um, and you just have this like wide variety of different people. You've got this guy who this like toy maker named George Engel, who I've tattooed on my arm. And he's like the oldest of them. I want to say he's like in his early fifties. I can't remember. And he's just this, like he was like born fucking poor in Germany. And he was like ran a toy shop and he was an anarchist. And I used to think of him as just like the low key down to earth one. Right. But it actually turns out he was like part of the like super radical faction. Whereas like Albert Parsons, right. He was like kind of like one of the more like liberally anarchists is like, Oh, let's like have good messaging and shit. And George Engel uh, was like, in the background planning how to um, take over the city by force of arms to institute anarchism. Uh, <laughs> he still didn't throw the fucking bomb. And so, yeah, they were all put on trial and they were found guilty. Um, and five of them were sentenced to death. Uh, three of them were sentenced to not death. One, I think two life imprisonment, one 15 year. There's a whole thing where like some of them asked for a pardon from the governor. There's like a, um, and then th five of them were like, man, we're not fucking asking for a pardon from the governor. Fuck you. Like, we're done. It's over. Fuck it. And then while they're awaiting their death, uh, Louis Ling, someone smuggles him in some explosives, probably in, this, in cigars, uh, and he takes his own life. And the other four are led up to the platform and hanged. And there's like this massive unrest outside and Lucy Parsons is her husband is about to get hanged and she's trying to break in and, um, and they have really heartbreaking last, their speeches in court are something worth reading and their last words are, are stuff that sticks with me, including two of them that basically just said, uh, the anarchy, uh, up, up the anarchy, hurrah for anarchy. And, you know, they, they believed very strongly in a world without the state, and without capitalism and they fought and they died for it. Um, and it was complete miscarriage of justice. Everyone knew it was a miscarriage of justice at the time. No one cared because it was a big anti-anarchist fervor. But as the trial went on, people started being like, wait, what? And so it actually, 
It crushed the anarchist movement in Chicago. The movement that had been building in Chicago fell apart, and it was uh, it was awful because it was a, a incredibly vibrant, beautiful um, uh, movement, and with like eight different newspapers in different languages, and like it's like it's all a bigger deal than I think. Sometimes anarchists think we are like really marginal throughout history, and that is like just not the case. Um, and before state communism became a stronger force, anarchism was absolutely the the primary voice of the left besides like kind of like liberalish, like progressive movements. So it crushed the Chicago movement, but what it did is it inspired a generation and it inspired a generation of anarchists and it inspired a generation of, of labor organizers. And so May Day has been the international workers holiday ever since. And within a couple decades, you could go anywhere in the world and go into a union hall, even if it's not an anarchist hall, even if it's a communist hall or whatever, and you'll see the martyrs on the wall um, who, who stood for that. And so I love May Day. I love this story. I love seeing myself in these people from our past. Um, I think that we can have heritages that are not just direct ancestral like blood lineage. Um, and I believe that the anarchists who are alive today are part of the lineage uh, from the 1880s and that that spirit lives. So... I get real emotional about it. And anyone who wants, I would really recommend going to Chicago, going out to, um, I think it's Waldorf Cemetery, but I, I, I might be wrong again. I didn't take any notes for this. It's off the top of my head. And there's a monument uh, to the martyrs. And it's also where you'll see Emma Goldman's grave and Lucy Parsons' grave. Um, and yeah, um, and it's beautiful. And it has always the cutest graffiti on it. Because I don't think they would have mind. Maybe Albert Parsons would have minded, right? But like Lewis Lang would have done it, you know? Um, I've heard it's become a new rite of passage to uh, make out on their graves. Oh, or at sure. least it was It was like 10 years ago. I just go there and cry. <laughs> That's also reasonable. Yeah. Whatever it makes you feel any better. They would have been mm-hmm. dead by now anyway. Or would they have? Oh. Because what if they're Draculas? <laughs> Not this again. Oh, my God. No. Okay. okay. No. no. <laughs> what if a Dracula threw the bomb? No. <laughs> now has a podcast. No. What if I threw the bomb at Haymarket? Is this a conspiracy okay. theory I should threat spread? Never. Y- yes. Yes. You heard okay. it here. Margaret Killjoy is a Dracula. Yeah, You know, as we have talked about before, famous podcasters have superpowers that make things come true. So you should not do any of that. Become a no. Dracula? Okay, so I'm really, squ- I've given us a lot of thought. Actually, I'm curious, you all. Let's go, let's get your answers first. Uh, Brooke, would you become a Dracula? No. Inman, would you become a Dracula? Um, y- yes. Yes. Okay, let's get both your reasons. Brooke, why no Dracula becoming? This is what people tune in for. This is about what this is. This monthly podcast is about. Uh, because I have seen and and read every uh, vampire novel, story, romance, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. There's one for every generation, and I've read them all, and it never goes well. It just never goes well. There's no there's no history of it going well for Dracula. That's true. So. Just okay. doesn't seem like a good choice. Amen. Also, I don't. I, 
I don't like living enough as it is that I, do, I don't want to do it extra, <laughs> extra long. Like I look forward to dying someday. Yeah. So fair. I don't, I don't want to not die. I want to get off this fucking planet. <laughs> fair enough. All right. Inman, what do you got? Why are you becoming a Dracula? Um, d- despite it, d- despite my belief that it actually is like an interesting thing to know that we are going to die. Um, mm-hmm. which I mean, I could still die as a Dracula can absolutely still die as a Dracula. Um, I, I think the, the, the like middle school version of Inman that was, uh, and is still obsessed with like different fantasy worlds would never forgive myself if I passed up the opportunity to, uh, become a Dracula. That is fair. Yeah. I'm holding okay. myself to the standard of uh, 12-year-old Inman. That is the only standard that matters. <laughs> I make decisions like that. I think that's a reasonable... Like, when you're like, do you want to do something or not do something? Be like, what would 12-year-old me think? Yeah, I think 12-year-old me would be crying in her bedroom about, you know, whatever cute boy will talk to her. So she shouldn't but, get a say in my life. Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> um, okay, I would become a vampire or a Dracula, as it's fun to call them. (laughs) Even though I'm incredibly squeamish, I'm vegan, I don't like blood, I don't like meat, uh, I would hate to kill someone. But I feel like it would be like, it's just like, I feel like I owe it. It's like, like, who am I to turn down superpowers? Like, imagine what you could do if you were, and immortal until proven otherwise by the sun or a stake. <laughs> Could you solve the current conflict in the Sudan? I don't know. Would direct application of violence <laughs> successfully solve that problem? And I don't know the answer. What about global warming? I respectfully declined to answer the question about whether direct application of violence would be useful in solving Could global your warming. Powers help us with the government uh, debt default problem oh i could help with the government problem (laughs) yeah your superpowers could do something about that yeah because imagine antifa super soldiers if everyone was like (laughs) 15 times stronger immune to almost all damage uh can only come out at night and have to have a mutual aid blood bank um (laughs) but I bet there'd be but, volunteers, you know? You you don't know for sure that that's what would happen with you become a Dracula because mm-hmm. not all Dracula mythology has them getting superpowers other than just, like, living forever. Yeah, they might I, not I, be I, extra strong or fast or... Oh, they're, whatever. like, almost always, like, like... But, you know, and if you're taking... If you're rolling the dice, you might be able to turn into a bunch of bats. <laughs> Yeah. If you could turn into mist, if I could turn into mist, I like would volunteer to be tried for every crime that an anarchist does. <laughs> like, oh, it was me. Oh no. And then they turn into mist and I leave the prison, you know, until they figure out I'm a vampire and then they hit me with the sun. But there's like some holes in this plan. Yeah. Uh, some, some. Okay. Yeah. All enough right. that bats can fit through. Um, <laughs> There, there are wild, there are wilder concepts, you know. Wilder things have happened in history than you becoming a Dracula. Yeah, like the like the Rutgers University strike that happened last month. That kind is of that wild what thing. We're gonna, 
Is that what we're Ooh. switching into? Is this a you see transition? See how desperately I'm trying to pivot. Yeah. All right. All right. We can start <laughs> talking about vampires. What fuck we're supposed to be talking about? All right. Let's go. Let's go. What do you got? <laughs> what happened this month in the apocalypse? Uh, well, strikes being good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, staff at Rutgers University went on strike for a grand total of five whole days in April. Um, they did a pretty good job of. Uh, planning it in secrecy though because everyone was super surprised when they sent out the email on April 9th in the evening like hey we're going on strike tomorrow and then suddenly they were on strike and everyone was like wait what the fuck so um, it's very similar to what was going on with uh, whichever one of the UCLA whichever one of the California universities was doing uh, strike stuff recently too um, arguing for for better pay and better treatment of uh, graduate students and such how did the Rutgers one end up um they have a tentative agreement they Fuck still yeah. haven't finalized contracts but it was yeah. impactful enough that it got uh the necessary people to come back to the negotiating table and and uh you know get some progress towards their goals there Fuck yeah yeah yay strikes yay strikes there was some other strike that's going on or, or maybe going on soon, um, but I can't remember where or what it is other than uh, President Biden wouldn't comment on it. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's trying so hard to be the pro-labor president as he continues to do all kinds of anti-labor shit. <sighs> Fuck yeah. face. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the government and how much it sucks, mm-hmm. um, we're at risk of defaulting on our debt here in the U.S., again which is a fun thing they like to battle every once in a while okay so this is such an abstract thing that people keep talking about it and it is something that means nothing to me yeah what does it mean not because it doesn't mean anything but because the way it's presented i'm just like i don't get it well so in order to prop up our whole fake monetary system that we've created the government sometimes makes itself have to follow some rules so that we all, Mm -hmm. the rest of us still believe in it too. Uh, And it likes to flirt with um, not following those rules in order to have drama that we can all talk about. That's, that's what's going on. Okay. (laughs) That's all you need to know. Well, what happens if it, if they default, if they default, do I lose like, like what happens? Well, technically then the government doesn't have, um, money to pay for things like uh, sending out welfare checks or um, paychecks for federal workers or funding to states for various programs that the federal government funds, uh, paying for the military, basically all so the like, things that the federal government pays for. So like lots of bad and one good. Yeah, kind of. Well, well and then from also our like point of view. Or, yeah. Internationally, um, uh, you know, people who've invested, who own uh, government bonds, for instance, basically mm-hmm. loaned money to the federal government. They'd be like, "You're not gonna, you're not gonna pay back the money that you owe us. Fuck you!" And can uh, affect the value of the dollar and uh, international trade and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. The reason I'm being so whatever about it is because the government's not going to default on its debt. It just never. It's not that it never has. It has four times in history. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's, it, could, it could be potentially so disastrous to the economy and to our fake belief or our belief in the, the fakeness of the monetary system. 
uh, the the government just they're not going to let it happen. Okay, they're just uh, want to make news. I I hate that my brain can only think about um, things in terms of fantasy novels. But is this similar to like in Game of Thrones when they have to borrow money from the Lannisters? And the Lannisters are like, no, we're not giving you any more money. And then they try to get it from a bank. And the bank's like, y'all are really broke. We're not going to give you any money. And That's this... actually a, a really good like <laughs> analogy for for what's going on. Because, yeah, the, the U.S., in order to fund all the shit we do, has borrowed money from uh, you know other governments, other um, people outside the country. Like... You know, the, we talk about how uh, you can just print money, you can just make up money, we just say what it's worth. But the only reason that whole system, the monetary system works is because we all agree to believe in it. And if mm. the government breaks its own rules about the monetary system, the the whole belief system can start to unravel. I see. What is it that kind of keeps... Like, is it just the belief in that that keeps that, like, what what keeps the cycle functioning? The monetary cycle? Yeah. It's something I've been, always been curious about. Like, why, if, if the U.S. is so in debt, then, like, why is the U.S. like a global economic power still? Well, what's wild is that it's because it's a, so in debt is how it's a global economic power. Um, there's like weird ways of having people, I'm not going to do this justice and maybe Brooke knows it better, but I'm just, I, I read debt once by David Graeber and now I'm smart about money because I don't remember anything. Um, but literally it, it, at least that book talks about the fact that if you're the hegemonic power loaning money to people, like makes them invested in your success or failure. They don't want you to fail because if you default on loan, they're never seeing that money back. It's like actually a weird power play for the United States to have a debt like that um and it's like the king used to loan money or borrow money from people all the time in a way that there's like a question mark question mark profit that i don't quite get grasp in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah people will talk about um especially uh like republican side of conversation will talk about how um we're heavily in debt to china like the chinese government has bought a lot of um U.S. Treasury bonds basically loaned us a whole bunch of money, if you will, and said, so, "Oh, well, you know, they can just call in their debt and fuck us up anytime they want to." But that would fuck them up too, because they've loaned out all of this money and capital. And if they're just like, "Hey, you need to give it back," when they know we can't pay it back, then that's just going to send the whole system into chaos, which will echo back to them and and just fuck up the whole global economy. <laughs> If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what else we got? We got default. Well, the other thing I wanted to say about the mm-hmm. default is oh, that it is it is different from because there's another debate that crops up pretty often, and it's about government shutdowns, mm-hmm. and it's easy to get the two conflated, but they're actually about different things. The debt ceiling one that's being talked about right now is about can the government borrow more money? Basically, it's going to uh, sell more treasury bonds that were bought by China or, you know, whatever other nations in order to bring money into the U S so, so the U S can pay for things. That's the, that's the debt ceiling. It's them literally like, it's like if you wanted to go to your credit card and get a higher uh, spending limit on your credit card, 
that's what they're doing there. The other thing is the um, uh, government shutdowns because of um, budgetary debates. So the government has to create a budget for itself. And if it can't agree on that budget by a certain deadline, then it doesn't know how much it is or isn't allowed to spend on things. And the response to that is that the whole government shuts down the federal government uh, because they don't know how much they're allowed to spend on things, <laughs> even I though see. there's money there. So they're two, the, the debt ceiling and when is, is one thing that's going on right now. And then government shutdowns are another thing that happens for a different reason. They're all money related, but they're actually quite different. I see. Uh, turning towards international news, I suppose uh, y'all might have heard about this, but um, conflict has broken out in Sudan um, uh, earlier in April's like the mid-month. I want to say it was like the 15th or so, um, which Sudan has a, a really long history of uh, violence and um, unsteadiness as a country a lot of conflict. Um, it's been ruled by an autocrat for a long time. And, uh, that person was overthrown a few years ago, um, around 2020 or either a little before or a little after. I can't quite remember. So they've been in the process of trying to form a democratic government in the last few years since that, uh, autocratic leader was overthrown, but they haven't got there. And it's been a very tense place. Um, and then, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the army and a paramilitary force uh, started fighting in the capital. And um, got, uh, I think a few hundred people have died already. And Western countries that have workers there, uh, principally the U.S. and the U.K., have started trying to evacuate um, people who were there. They had a really short ceasefire over this last weekend um, in order for the um, Western governments to try and get their people out of the country. Uh, but it's, you know, looking to be another like refugee crisis. People are, are starting to pack up and, and migrate and um, the fighting looks like it could get much worse. And it's also another one of those places in the world that's kind of a proxy fight uh, because Russia has a lot of interest in Sudan and what's going on in that region. And the U S has shown a lot of interest too. And so, you know, some of our old, tensions between our countries are flaring up. Yes, Margaret? So, okay, I have a couple questions about that. Um, I'm really curious about it. I've been I've been following it a little bit, and I've only been able to kind of get uh, a little bit of a picture. Um, there's a... Okay, so is... I believe that the militia that is currently trying to take power is the rapid support forces yeah. versus the existing government. Um, and do you know which side the U.S. and Russia are each supporting? I was not clear on that as I was okay. reading through it. It sounded um, like the mm -hmm. military, some of the military leaders, there's a general in particular who's trying to become a politician. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, then possibly we elected president, which we all ha know how that goes when the, the military then takes the power, which seems yeah. more like the thing that Russia would support versus the other forces being more in favor yeah. of democratic institutions. I know there's a um, there's a group called the Sudanese Anarchist Gathering. Hmm. Uh, there's a group of anarchists who organize there that have been. I've been reading their dispatches through Organize Magazine, which is spelled incorrectly. They use an S because they're British. <laughs> um, Turf Island nonsense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to be fair, Organize 
they're fighting against all of the things that is bad about the UK, including the UK monarchy and colonialism and TERFs. Uh, but they, um, I believe through different anarchist federation organizing are in contact with the anarchist gathering in, in Sudan. And, and so there, if, if folks are interested, they can read these firsthand accounts of how people are handling it. And the one thing, the impression that I left with, which is, again, I didn't do a deep dive, was that it's kind of like whoever wins, the people lose. But it sounds like mm. if the militia wins, the people especially lose. Uh, because that's like a thing that's like worth on, you know, anytime you hear me like, oh, there's people trying to overthrow the government. And you're like, well, that's a crapshoot. Like, maybe I like mm-hmm. that, you know? Um, I do not like that at this point. The the quote from, um, I pulled it up because I wanted to get the group's name right. Uh, the The quote is this okay that I've, no, I, I don't mean please, to. Please, please. Yeah. Okay, so so Organize asks, if the rapid support forces achieve control, how will they behave towards social movements like yours? And would their control be more fragile than the current government? Um, you know, because that's the thing that people think about too, right? But, and so the the response from the, the Sudanese anarchists is, the rapid support forces are merciless militias. Any peaceful demonstrations will be like protests against the Afghan Taliban. Um, and so... Uh, I believe that the overall, the anarchist position that I have read is like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Well, mostly that. And then people are like trying desperately to organize for mutual aid and to not die, you know? Yeah. Um, Rather than having a like, yay, this team or whatever, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again. Russia's helping supply uh, arms in the conflict, so that's part of its... It's interest there is uh, selling military equipment. Yeah. Thanks for sharing the, I didn't know about the um, anarchist group in their reports. I'll check that out after this. That sounds super interesting. Yeah. I think that's like something that um, I can accidentally fall behind on is like, uh, you know, um, people only looking at anarchist stuff within, you know, the Western Western world or whatever. And that's just like absolutely not the case. And, and I will say that the groups that I've seen do the most work in English that I've been able to access have been um, actually organized and, or the anarchist federation of the UK slash the larger international anarchist federation. And then crime think um, are the two groups that I'm aware of that do a lot of work trying to get in touch with anarchists on the ground about what's going on. Um, but nice. I didn't know the bigger picture stuff. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Go team. Virtual high five. Yeah. <laughs> Inman, what else is going on in the country and or world? Um, well, have y'all ever heard that April is the cruelest month? Hmm. I believe it involves breeding lilacs out of dead land. What? <laughs> I d- okay. Wait, what? Sorry. Earlier today, I told Inman that April is the cruelest month, but it's a reference to T.S. Eliot's poem, The Wasteland. The first lines oh, are, yes, April yes. is the cruelest month, yes. breeding lilacs yes. out of dead land. I was yes, a yes. pretentious teenager at one point. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, anyway. when you know the when you know the first part of a quote and not the rest of it. Which yeah. is I don't know the rest of the poem. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I make fun of people for that uh, in regards to Shakespeare all the time. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm glad to get got. Um, so my thing is um, just a little note on 
on gun violence in April, in specifically in the United States. Uh, as of April 17th, there had already been uh, 30 mass shootings in the U.S. Um, and I know for a fact that there have been um, a handful more since then, um, including uh, there was one yesterday in Mississippi um, in the after like um, I think it was like a prom or something like a four four or five um, teenagers were killed. Mm -hmm. April has not been a good month for teenagers specifically. There, um, I'm sure most people have heard of uh, these in the headlines already, but um, uh, Andrew Lester um, shot Ralph Yarl, a 16 year old who went to um, his door for to pick up uh, his like sibling, and just you know went to the wrong house. Oh, jeez. Yeah, um, Andrew Lester um, like opened the door, and there was a glass door, and he just shot him in the head through the glass door like didn't there like no words Jesus. were exchanged uh yeah it's it's pretty wild and what's also heartbreaking about it is that ralph was not immediately killed and has and has is expected to recover um still which is which is a great thing after getting shot in the head yeah jeez and he he crawled through the neighborhood and went uh -huh. to three different houses before receiving help. And it's like three different houses, I think, like where people like answered the door, you know, and yeah. didn't help him before someone finally, you know, called in an ambulance. Lester is, uh, was charged with um, two felonies, um, weirdly not attempted murder. Really? Which, yes, yes, he was not charged with attempted murder. So they were afraid okay. that the like it wouldn't stick because of stand your ground castle doctrine bullshit, or I think so. I think so. The prosecutor has been kind of tight lipped, and I think is not trying to talk about the case too much in the media. Yeah, from what I saw, but yeah, some it's something about like um the like tiers of like laws and stuff and like they, they're claiming that it like didn't or yeah. evidence hasn't come out yet for it to be like to, to classify it as attempted murder as opposed to these like um like assault charges um yeah which is wild um and you know the, the context here andrew lester is like a he's like an 84 year old white guy and ralph yarl is like a 16 year old like black teenager and there's kind of been like a string of things similar to this happening in April. Um, in New York, four uh, teenagers or four young people, not quite teenagers, were driving around and uh, got lost and they pulled into someone's driveway to turn around. And the owner of the house came out and just also did not try to talk to them at all and just started shooting at the car. Jesus. And Kaylin Gillis, who was 20, was wounded by the gunfire. The uh, group had to drive six miles before they were able to successfully contact emergency services. Um, oh, and Kaylin was pronounced, was, wasn't dead when the ambulance arrived, but um, died 
cutscene after. Mm. Fuck. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. I I in the limited research I did before uh, this episode, I was looking for a couple more um, instances that I'd heard of, but wasn't able to to uh, get real information on. But um, it seems like in April, I feel like there were like a lot of similar instances of these like someone going to the wrong house it's like the this this cultural mentality shift that's happening where like people in their homes are like responding a lot more um volatilely to people that they don't know coming to their houses and then like responding with like immediate deadly force that's so wild i one of the things that I, I think about a lot when I think about the fact that we're building a new gun culture, you know, for anti-authoritarians and leftists and stuff, is that I think we need to get rid of this myth that an armed society is a polite society. There's this mm-hmm. idea that I believe a essentially a right-wing myth that a lot of left-wing people hold as well, that if everyone's armed, every, like no one will fuck with each other or whatever. It's just not true. And it's just statistically not true. And it's like, you can have all of the, you know, anecdotes you want about people like not getting in a fight because there's a gun involved or whatever but it's just like the statistics bear it out that when everyone is armed more people shoot each other and that isn't surprising to think about and that's not from my point of view that's not an argument for disarmament um because of the larger context that we're facing but it is something that i think needs to be thought about when we talk about like sort of celebrating gun ownership as a thing that reduces crime and violence i mean obviously it's not the gun's fault that these racists exist or that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe race was a factor in the the second shooting that you talked about, but these, you know, uh, people hiding out in their houses ready to shoot everyone who comes near them. You know, that's not the gun's fault. That's something wrong with those people um, and their decision-making and their moral values. But I don't know. It's fucking sad. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like there have been there have been over 163 mass shootings in 2023 so far. Um, and they're yeah, it's it stuff's just getting out of control. And the uh, to bring bring this into the police, um, uh, obviously, the police are not. um the only people shooting people um, right now, but um, the police did kill eight, like over 86 people um, in the month of April alone across the country. And yeah. Oh, and that's the, the last thing that I remembered was um, uh, in Texas. Um, there was another mass shooting I think it was like last week. It was the one with five undocumented people were killed in like an execution style shooting by someone. I think the last I heard the shooter had not been identified or I think maybe he had, but is, yeah, I, I didn't dig enough into that one, but just big, big headlines. Hmm. Yay. Yeah. That's Hmm. all I got about, shootings i'm sorry to folks out there there's i did not do a ton of get to do a ton of research on this just a general impression of gun violence being horrible right now we we, uh we roped in men in at the last moment so (laughs) 
My turn. Please. Margaret. Let's start with guns. Oh, God. Uh, no. <laughs> the Sig Sauer P320. This is actually not a new issue. It's been hitting the news in the last month. But since 2016, possibly 2017, depending on the source, the Sig Sauer um, P320, which is a fairly common handgun, mm-hmm. is not one that I personally have a ton of experience with, although a lot of my friends carry SIGs of various types. It's, it's, it sucks. It's bullshit. It, it fucks up. It fires without the trigger being pulled. This is literally the one thing that a gun should never do. There are over a hundred people have come forward about their gun going off on its own. Usually in the context of it being dropped, it being uh, in your holster as you run down the stairs, like some sort of like jostling motion, right? A well-designed, a a competently designed handgun is something called drop safe where you can drop the gun and there's literally no way for it to go off. Uh, you know, even guns without manual safeties have drop safeties. They have mechanical safeties built into them. And clearly the ones on the SIGs don't work. Uh, there's a lawsuit going on right now. Sorry, allegedly over a hundred people, allegedly, because there's still a lawsuit about going on right now. 80 people have been hurt so far by these like, like there's a story about a guy who's has you know his guns on his bedroom table as he's you know going about his day or whatever, and the gun just like goes off and shoots him in the butt um, while he's just like hanging out in his house. And uh, critical support, it has injured three ICE agents. Yay! Um, <laughs> this is a fairly common, uh, I believe, like military and police issue handgun but i mean whatever it's like a handgun all of them i would say common. we should like, issue more of them to police and ice agents but they'll just hurt other people and not I, just themselves i know and they'll like they'll be like oh i didn't mean to shoot that person i mean whatever they can blame um, the gun. yeah yeah so okay that's one of my headlining things okay another fun thing uh do y'all know that syphilis is back and it's like having a day great syphilis yeah. is uh, higher than it has been in 70 years. Oh, and I believe, I believe this is, I believe this is a uh, calculated two percentage of population, not raw numbers of people, but it is higher than it has been in 70 years. It is four times higher than it was in the early aughts. It's probably related to the fact that people haven't been going in for routine check-ins as much. And, and so I would, I would basically just say like, Hey, this is a the more people who get this untreated, the harder it is to treat, right? Um, you know, you get more problems with antibiotic resistance and things like that. But overall, it's a treatable, handleable thing that used to, like, kill the shit out of all the cool hedonists in the 19th century. And so we just, like, shouldn't bring that back, right? Because um, we, we should get to be cool hedonists. And, uh, and it's just, so go get tested. Like, if you fell off getting tested because going to the doctor got scary or hard or weird or whatever, just start going to get tested again. Uh, I will I'm say... Reporting- Mm-hmm. I'm doing. We're recording the uh, sex podcast in a couple of hours, so oh, it's nice. funny that you mentioned this because then we'll uh, we'll we'll do a secondary plug for it. <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, have all the sex um, you want. Just you know, be safe, be responsible. Get what's the name tested. of that podcast? The Stranger Sides of Sex, brought to okay. you by the Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. So that is a podcast that people can listen to. Maybe now, maybe in the near Very future. Very soon, yeah. Okay, so another thing that's happening to tangent from that, not from the sex part, but the antibiotics part, oh. strep has been going real bad. Um, yes. I think a lot of people are aware of that. Mm-hmm. There's an antibiotic shortage um, that includes amoxicillin, which is one of the common things used to treat mm-hmm. uh, strep. It's not as bad of an antibiotic shortage as this. This isn't a like, oh, fuck, this guy is falling antibiotic shortage, but it's like not good. There's a lot of like stuff that 
antibiotics manufacturers like aren't required to release about their own production and stuff. So no one's entirely sure why it's happening and things. Uh, and at the moment, it's mostly the children's version. It's possibly just the p- children's version, like the pink syrup version of this. That mm. is uh, rather than like the raw drug itself. But there are some supply chain problems that people are running into. Um, other stuff. I think, mm-hmm, I think you and I have had the fish mocks debate before as well. Yeah. Um, fish antibiotics are not registered, are, are not controlled by the FDA. They're not tested. The dosage is not regulated. But there is a thing where you can buy antibiotics if they're for small animals. Um, and so if you have fish and you need to stockpile amoxicillin, you can do so. But like, I feel like I'm being like, eh, eh. But like, don't do this unless, like maybe have some <laughs> for your fish. But like, don't fucking self-prescribe yourself. Don't fucking, like that's for if you cannot get it. That is for a fucking emergency. That's my take on fish <laughs> amoxicillin. Um, all right. I've taken so, it. I'm fine. In climate change news, <laughs> obviously the western half of the United States got record snowfall. Um, and now it's all starting to melt, which of course is fine and easy. And obviously the biggest problem for this is that I can't go to Yosemite next week because it's closed yeah. because it's flooding. Um, but another thing that's happening as a result of this you ever heard of uh, Tulare Lake? Is that no. a place? It's a. It used to be a lake in central oh. California, and it was there for a very long time. Like you know, until basically 19, until humans fucked, until white people fucked it up. Um, mm. There was this lake. It's seven hundred ninety square miles. It is fucking big, right? Is the biggest inland freshwater west of the something something, and it's in Cal. It's in Kings County, California, the Central Valley. Um, It dried up because people started clearing up all the marshes for agricultural space and started diverting all the rivers and, you know, basically just like all of the things that fed it. Right. And that, that was over the course of like a hundred years or whatever. And now it's back. (gasps) Uh, And that means it's fucking up a ton of things. Uh, It's fucking up a $2 billion agricultural industry. Hundreds of homes have been evacuated. Yay. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy that the lake is taking back the land. I because fuck I white think, people, yeah. settlers, white settlers. Not no, that's a reasonable position for the indigenous anarchists in the room to hold. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I admit that I in my notes even wrote the like this is complicated and we'll fuck shit up, and then I wrote. But to be honest, it's sort of a nature is healing moment. Um, yeah, but like, it's like my. Go ahead. My people are originally from Chicago area and, mm-hmm. and we were uh, taken off our lands. And then when they tried to like build Chicago, it kept getting like flooded and fucked up and like screwed over. <laughs> and it was like one yeah. source of great joy for my people that even though we had been relocated to other States, like <laughs> nature yeah. was totally fucking with all of the settlers yeah. that had come in to take our land. <laughs> Thanks Fair nature. Fuck enough. <laughs> I just don't understand why I feel like in you know, in, in the United States, I feel like a lot of like white colonial settlers have like really taken to wanting to build things on marshes because that was the <laughs> deal in Chicago, too. It was like it was all like marsh and swampland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't build on wetlands, morons. I know it was a bad idea. And 80 years later, mostly poor people are suffering as a result of it. 
but it's okay, still a like sucks. But I, I I can't tell someone how to feel about this particular piece of news. You know, it's just fucking. <laughs> The surface of the ocean is 0.2 degrees Celsius warmer than it's ever been at this time of year. Um, But that's been true. Don't worry. It's not out of the ordinary. It's been getting that much warmer every year. Uh, (laughs) Oh, so that's normal. That's just what we do now. It's fine. Yeah, totally. Uh, This month in Nazi news, uh, last week, the white supremacist group Blood Tribe made its its debut on being viral on Twitter. Uh, They're not the debut in terms of people actually noticing about paying attention about them, but uh, there was footage of, there there was a drag, it wasn't even, it was a drag brunch for adults and the Nazis showed up um, and they're literal Nazis. They're flying swastikas. They're, uh, and it's led by this guy named Christopher Polhouse and who is half the time reinvents himself as a cowboy. Half the time is this like Viking guy but he raises money on a Christian site and he has like a rune tattoo on his face. And it's clear he makes his living selling t-shirts. And this is like, this is footage that was designed to go viral. I feel bad for having retweeted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just stood outside of a drag show screaming, like basically there will be blood or whatever the fuck. Um, no trans transgenders on the streets or whatever. Ugh. And they suck. They're bad. Hopefully we won't be seeing too much more of them in the news, except for when they buy the Sig Sauer P320. Um, <laughs> and injure only their adult stupid selves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Positive news. Actually positive, not sarcastic news. Uh, cheetahs are being reintroduced into India. Ooh. They've been, um, it took a long time for India to basically accept having like more predators there. Right. And cheetahs like, it's the only large carnivore that has been like no longer in India. And now they're coming back. The U S is putting $350 million towards wildlife crossings, basically like green bridges that go over roads. I think this is an incredibly personally, I think this is an incredibly important step as we like deindustrialize. We're not deindustrializing, but in a positive version of the world, right? Um, allowing wildlife to move over roads reduces human wildlife interactions, AKA 350 million vertebrate animals are killed every year mm. as roadkill. Uh, I don't know if it's a coincidence or they're literally like, we'll throw one buck towards each of them. Um, but there've been oh. more and more places experimenting, usually outside the U S the U S is catching on a little bit late that if you build these greenways over, over roads, you can, help populations of animals incredibly well and uh, reduce the number of people are getting into car accidents also. Um, And let's see. Okay. The kind of last thing I I don't, I don't think we can get into it super long, but I want to say a couple things about Atlanta and the stop cop city thing Mm -hmm. that's been happening. I think people are probably aware of it. And if not, just like look up stop cop city. The short version is that the police want to build a training center in a forest in Atlanta. Atlanta is like actually one of the greenest cities in the world in terms of like, or in the country in terms of like sheer number of trees and stuff. And they're like, well, let's just like cut down a whole bunch of them to help the police train how to fucking kill insurgents or whatever, you know, us, how to kill us, not just like the anarchists, but just like people. Right. (laughs) Um, So they're sending up a people killing center. And so they're building this thing to practice killing us, not just anarchists, but, you know, people in the United States, right? And they've already been getting a start on that. In January, they killed an indigenous anarchist uh, named Tortuguita, who 
was part of the Stop Cop City movement and was sleeping in the forest at the time that they were executed by the police. And when I say executed, the information that we have gained as of April is that both an independent autopsy as well as a official autopsy have come back. And they both seem to confirm certain things. And I don't remember exactly which one came from which one of these autopsies. But Tortuguita was sitting cross-legged when they were killed by the police. And also, um, there was no gunpowder residue on Tortuguita's hands is the the newest revelation that has come forward. And it's just completely destroying the uh, police's account of what happened. And of course, there's like, already we had some body cam footage, not of the shooting, but of nearby, of a cop saying like, basically like, whoa, they fucked one of themselves up or whatever, like implying heavily that it was a, a comrade-friendly fire yeah. uh, moment. Um, I shouldn't have tried to do the callback joke in this. Um, so that is a thing that is, we are, are starting to have. And we've, and, and not we, I, I'm part of this, but like, you know, the movement has been saying since the beginning, like um, it was not consistent with Tortuguita's character to have uh, chosen to, to try to shoot the police or whatever. Um, and, just specifically like knowing that the cops are, are practicing murdering people as part of this um, is fucked up. And then the other, the bit of sad news in addition to that, although, you know, obviously Tortuguita's death was in January is that this month, the the cutting of the forest, which was delayed incredibly long and mm. will continue to be delayed by the actions of protesters. But uh, the, some of the, the cutting of trees has started and I would encourage people to, to look into that. That's this month in the apocalypse. Okay. The apocalyptic joy of another month gone by. Yay. By joy, did, I just mean depression. Okay, wait, should I try and do a rousing non doom? Go ahead. Did anything nice happen? Yeah, the cheetahs month? are coming back to India. Yeah. And okay, yeah, yeah. there's going to be more green crossings. And oh, shit. And then, like, today, it's not April. Well, it is, whatever. Today, May Day, um, like fucking hundreds of thousands of people are riding in France. Uh, there's some like cops on Ooh. fire as we record. Hey, yeah, best thing to do with cop. The, the spirit of revolt continues, um, and I believe is growing. We we look at all this bad stuff that's happening, but the spirit of revolt is growing as the situation becomes more dire. And the other positive thing is that like more and more people are starting to look at this, all of this stuff and take it seriously. More and more people are starting to look at what it really means to confront climate change, what it really means to be part of a changing world, what it really means to confront capitalism, what it really means to confront Mm. colonialism. Um, That's my positive news is that like, I keep like I'm on tour right now and I'm talking about preparedness and stuff. And there's like way more people who are interested than ever would have been interested before. And there's whole new generations of people who are coming in and they're coming in and fucking coming in strong. And also there's more and more people of my generation and older who are either coming back in or haven't left as compared to, I would say 10, 20 years ago, where I think we lost more people to attrition. I think that we are building multi-generational communities. I think that we are building communities that are more welcoming. There was more work to be done, but more welcoming to parents and more welcoming to children and more welcoming to elders. I think we're fucking doing it. I am incredibly proud to be part of this movement. It is weird to have my like doom and gloom you know, thing that we do once a month. I think of you as being the optimist in the group. Yeah, which is not a good sign. <laughs> well, if you need something to laugh about, we have this really great book that just came out 
And I actually gave my copy of it to a friend this weekend who read the cover and laughed out loud and can't wait to read it and share it. <laughs> Is that the moving the plugs thing that you're doing? Uh, no, just I genuinely thought yeah. of uh, how enjoyable that is. Oh, that thanks. It, it made me a smile, and I wanted to share that if people need something to be happy about, because Escape from Inside Island is fantastic and entertaining. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, become part of that movement. You're probably already on some level are. And... Uh, and listen to my dog shake as he stands up after lying at my feet calmly during most of this whole thing and support <laughs> us on Patreon is one of the best ways to support us. You can also just tell people about all the stuff that we do or tell people about all the stuff that you do. But if you support us at Patreon, it's patreon.com slash strangers in tangled wilderness, because this podcast is produced by strangers in the tangled wilderness, which is an anarchist collective that publishes cultural stuff like this podcast. We also publish books. We make zines. Uh, one of our other podcasts is called, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. Another one of our podcasts is called Anarcho Geek Power Hour. Another one of our podcasts is called The Stranger Sides of Sex. Thank you. Um, we used to have a different name, but it was taken. So I keep forgetting the, the old name. <laughs> and if you support us on Patreon, you will get all kinds of stuff. You'll get access to some like, well, basically we send a zine out every month. That's like one of the main things that we do. And also in particular, I would like to thank anonymous which could be any of you and funder who also could be any of you people have good names lately and jans and oxalis janice and odell page ali paparuna milica boise mutual aid theo hunter sean sj page mickey nicole david dana chelsea cat j starro jennifer eleanor kirk sam chris micaiah and of course Haas the dog our longest term backer he's a really cute dog too <laughs> that's what i got uh bye bye bye